Well, believe it or not, we are done with the book of Acts. Can you believe it, Parkview? We made it through. If you've been in that journey with us, I know I only came in for half of that journey, but it's been a great journey together to go through that wonderful book. And a special thanks to Pastor Wade for closing that book out for us last week and doing such a good job. And we just love and appreciate him. Today we will launch a four-week series to introduce what we call our DWD. Now, if you notice a little earlier in the video, I have trouble saying that, and I'll explain that to you, but I'll read it carefully so I get it right. I'll explain why it's hard for him. But anyway, uh, our definition of a whole disciple. Today we'll highlight the fact that we can be disciples of Christ because of what he has done. This series has such significance for us because our definition of a disciple really will drive our leadership decisions for the years to come. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this time together, and Lord, we really do depend on you. We realize that apart from being connected to that vine of Christ, we are nothing. And so we thank you for that dependence, and we thank you that we can be uh, connected to our Savior in that way. Lord, I just thank you that you are working in mighty ways all around the world. We thank you for that report, and we pray for that nation. We pray for our other global workers in various places. Lord, may they be encouraged today. May they see the fruit of their labors, and may you just add the increase to what's going on in each of those places and in each of those ministries and those homes. Father, we uh, pray for nations around the world that might be struggling in one way or another. We continue to lift up Ukraine to you and all that's going on there. We think of Sudan and the tragedies that are happening there as well. And Lord, whatever it may be, even if it's just uh, flooding here on the Mississippi or whatever, we lift that up before you. Father, we pray for our East Campus today. We ask your blessing upon their service as well. And Lord, would you use it and be working in their midst for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we desire that this time would be pleasing to you, that these songs that we have sung and will sing will just uh, be from hearts that are grateful and humble. Lord, would your spirit just work now in and through us? And Father, would you help us to see what we need to see, to hear what we need to hear, and respond appropriately? In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you've ever spent in time in, in any churches these days, you're probably hearing the term disciple. It's thrown around a lot. Phrases like, be a disciple of Jesus Christ, or make disciples, or be a disciple maker, where we use the term discipleship. A lot of that, right? And a definition of a disciple is a follower or a student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. We cannot read the gospel accounts in our Bible without learning about disciples of Jesus. And we certainly think of the, of the disciples that Jesus selected from whom he then uh, pulled them out of the disciples and, and uh, had this group of apostles. And, and I'm referencing really here Luke 6. If you want to look at the screen for a moment, a reference or just for context here. Luke 6 verse 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, 
Simon, who he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was also called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So we got this group of disciples, and we always think of those 12, right? The ones who are following Jesus everywhere he went, the ones who got the label of apostle as well. You know, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, or sometimes Nathaniel, uh, James, Judas, Jude, um, Matthias later, right, uh, was replacing uh, Judas Iscariot. We got, sometimes we hear Thaddeus, Matthew, or Levi, Philip, Simon the Zealot, and Thomas, or Didymus. Obviously, we can learn a lot from the Gospels about these particular 12 disciples who were called also apostles. But a reasonable question could be, why does or how does that translate into you and I becoming disciples of Jesus Christ today? And if I'm to become a a disciple of Jesus, what does that mean? What what does it signify? What does it specify? Why do we make it a priority? Where is the mandate? So let's, we're going to go through some basic texts that we know well today just to really set a foundation. Now, Matthew 28, we have the Great Commission. In verse 16, we'll start there. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, and some, but some doubted. But Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We know this one well, right? We've got the remaining disciples, and then we've got these uh, 11 uh, that were there, the 11 apostles, right? Matthias had not yet been appointed to replace Judas. So we've got this happening. Notice the sequence. This is after the resurrection. So this is sort of a commission that's based upon what you have now been witness to, based upon what you now understand that maybe you struggled to understand during my teaching, right? Jesus taught them a lot that seemed to, they just seemed to miss. And the, the cross and the resurrection certainly brought clarity to so much of that. So based upon that understanding, based upon what you understand now, go and make disciples and go under my ultimate authority, all authority, right? And make disciples of all nations, not just the Jews anymore, right? We certainly saw that happening as we went through Acts. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, we might want to stop and say, okay, what about the commands? But we certainly want to go to the greatest command. We find it in Matthew uh, 22, in Matthew's gospel, in, in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So important here to understand, okay, teaching them to obey the commands, it's certainly first and foremost, love God. With every fiber of your being, love God and love others as yourself. 
He's saying, listen, go and do this. This is what you're to do. And he promises to be with them. Isn't that wonderful? What I, I would suggest to you, what a, what a great motivator to be part of Jesus' mission of making disciples. His presence, his backing, authorized representatives of Christ. Promises to be with them. But, but wait a minute, wasn't he about to ascend? We know that he had promised that they would have a helper. In John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, isn't that interesting? He dwells with you, but he will be in you. Now, back to Acts, back at the beginning, we highlighted this a lot, Acts 1.8. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria, or in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right then, Pentecost happens. What happens? The Spirit of God then indwells the believers. I will be with you. You are my authorized representatives. Now, it was kind of a speed tour of, of some of the whys here, but really, these basic Bible truths and principles have led Parkview to adopt uh, this vision. And the vision is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, you're more familiar with the expanded one, a mission, our mission statement to glorify God through the whole church, making whole disciples for the good of all people. Now, we regard discipleship as essential because it glorifies God. It's following that commission, right? Go and make disciples. So we honor God by following the instruction, the great commission. God is glorified when disciples are made. It's so wonderful when a new believer turns that corner, repents, and now turns their affection and their heart towards the living God. What a beautiful thing. God is glorified. And this is whole church. This is not just pastors, missionaries. This is not ministry leaders or staff. It's not just elders or deacons. It's the whole church making whole disciples Years ago, I was discipling a young man who had some serious learning difficulties. And the more we walked along this, there was a frustration that was growing in him. He wished that he could put together a, a lesson on his own and expand on the scripture and maybe uh, teach it or, or share it or whatever, but he just couldn't do it. But what was interesting is I observed about him that he had an ability to recall things. So I began challenging him to, to memorize Scripture and then larger portions of Scripture to the point when I was just saying, okay, here's your chapter to go memorize. And he would just learn this. It was amazing. He had so many other limitations educationally, but he could, he could lock down a chapter and just quote it to you. What was neat is that an idea emerged then that we would uh, use him in children's ministry. 
And so we gave him the superhero outfit, had a cape, and had a, an M on the chest for Mike the Memory Man. And he'd come leaping into those rooms, and the kids loved him. And he'd begin to rattle off scriptures, chapter at a time, and the kids would be like amazed. And the kids were then inspired to, to learn scripture because Mike the Memory Man was so cool. A disciple growing in any way we can toward Christ. For the good of all people. Hold disciples for the good of all people. Loving your neighbor as yourself. I hope you've taken the challenge to, to do the bless every home so you're getting those emails reminding you to pray over your neighbors. Can I just say that your unbelieving neighbors need you to be a disciple of Jesus? Do you realize that? Your neighbors need you to be a disciple of Jesus. You might be the one, the only one, who can share with them at some point the good news of Christ. Disciples for the good of all people. And that, that mission leads us to our series, which we call DWD. Now, part of the reason I got tangled up in the video, if you notice that, is that for years I've said description of a discipled person. And some brilliant minds here, some good wordsmiths, decided that with our, our mission statement, it's better to call it DWD, a definition of a whole disciple. I have to say it slow and careful so I get it right. But they were, it's good, it's a good change, but it's coming slowly in my mind. In that video, I, I just kept digressing worse and worse the more I tried. It got to be very funny. But if this is our goal, this is our mission, then we must define it further, okay? So we need to have a clear target. And I can't think of a target without thinking of my, one of my favorite far side. Uh, you you got to laugh at this with me. The first service left me hanging. Bummer of a birthmark, Hal. Come on, that's funny. People, that's funny. You guys leave me hanging all the time. <laughs> I can't even think about it without laughing. Anyway. And this is really where we're going to kind of camp today is, in, is especially the first part of defining that target so we can aim well. Again, we make leadership decisions based upon what we're trying to accomplish. So I'm going to read to you our fundamental definition of a, a whole disciple. So ready? A whole disciple is a forgiven child of God who is taking the next step to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you to say it with me. So I'm going to wake you up because you weren't awake enough to catch my cartoon joke. So at least we're going to say it together. You ready? A whole disciple is a forgiven child of God who is taking the next step to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. It's essential we do not skip over the first part of this and go directly to the imperatives. I don't know how many of you in here are the doers. You just have to do stuff, and you don't feel good unless you're checking boxes. That is my personality. I'm just driven that way. I've got to, I've got to feel like I accomplished something. So I always want to skip over and just go right to, okay, so what do I need to do? But I think we need to stop here because it can be dangerous here to skip over the first part because we can lose track of our doctrine if we aren't careful. Here at Parkview, we continuously speak of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
the gospel. We just celebrated Easter, the, the good news of Jesus' victory over the grave, right? And it matters because the one who defeated sin, who defeated death, invites us into victory through faith. Because of Jesus, our sin is forgiven, our debt is paid, and we are adopted daughters and sons in the family of God by faith. A whole disciple is a forgiven child of God. So let's just take that in. A whole disciple is a forgiven child of God. As believers, we are forgiven. We are children adopted into God's family by no work of our own. We are sinners set free. We are redeemed out of bondage. We're in our new estate. We're in our, our new condition. We are blessed as members of God's family by grace. And as a loving response, we then learn what it means to live free of the old ways and to grow in Christ. So we are forgiven children of God who take the next step to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. Would you look with me at Ephesians chapter 5? And that really is our central text today. I realize it had us in um, a number of places just for context, but... Ephesians 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, the context here is the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Remember, we saw Ephesus in, in Acts 19, but this is written from the prison in Rome. And the first half of the book of Ephesians, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, we have this magnificent gospel summary by Paul. And, and it really, within that, we find out we're, we're, we're a covenant family, we're adopted in, there's this grace, this is multi-ethnic in, in Jesus because the barrier has been removed for the Gentiles. The Gentiles are welcomed in. And so we see really this idea of what our condition is like before and our new condition in Christ and our, our new identity and new purpose. And the second half then becomes sort of the therefore. We get the imperatives then. Because these things are true, because of this wonderful gospel truth and the impact it has on us who respond in faith, then we then live differently. So you've got things like at the beginning of chapter 4, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Because of these things now, then live this way. Let that line up with the truth about you. So we get practical. It's the kind of things that we need to put aside to take off and the things that we need to uh, adopt as a new way and, and the comparison between the sinful way and the new way. And it's replacing the old with the new. Then we have that instruction there in, in, cha in chapter 5, verse 1, to be imitators of God as beloved children. It's a simple word in many re respects. If you grew up in a home with siblings or you have children in your home or did at one point, you realize that kids will often mimic or imitate one another for the sole purpose of aggravation. Aggravation. 
right? That ever happened in your home? You did that? My kids love it. And not only does it aggravate the person they're imitating, it aggravates the parents. Makes us crazy. But what's happening in that? It's every word, every action, everything that is is done is repeated. It's imitated. It's this idea of being as much like the model as they possibly can be. But notice it says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Folks, that is the why. That's the why. Live like a member of the family. Over the years of raising our kids, at various times, my wife and I have discovered that kids will want to come in and do whatever we are doing. There's something going on in the kitchen. They'll try to do that or get involved. And, and, and maybe it's in the garage. Over the years, my, my boys have had plastic tools, and they'll often use their plastic tools while I'm doing mine. And then you can just ask JJ. At age seven, I had him under cars with me changing oil. It was great because he pulled the plug, and all the oil would go on him, not me. Um, was that bad parenting? It might be. Um, but the idea was, you know, a desire to do what I'm doing. So we are to be imitators of God because of what we already are, which is his children by faith in the finished work of Christ. You see, this understanding has to come first. If not, we run the risk of believing that we have become children of God based upon our merit. It's part of the reason why this book of Ephesians is laid out the way it is. It's okay, let's get all the facts. Let's get the reality of who you are set. And then we'll talk about how you should live. We don't want to turn those around and go right to the imperatives, to the things that we're supposed to do, because then we start maybe believing some of Satan's favorite lies. And that is, if you just work hard enough, God will love you. Or if you just live right, if you're just moral enough, if you're generous enough, then God will love you. No, wait a minute. That's not how it works, right? So it's coming to understand who we are and letting that then feed into how we live. Peter Scazzaro says, being comes before doing. Very simple, but beautiful. Being comes before before doing. Because of who I am in Christ through faith, then I want to live accordingly. I want to walk in a manner worthy to which I've been called. I want to be an imitator of God because I'm a beloved child of God. Now in Jewish culture, If a young man during his schooling would show enough promise in in learning the Torah, quite often it would be memorizing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, a rabbi then might invite that student to become a disciple or Talmud. And with that invitation then, it would be leave your other life behind and now you're going to live with me, you're going to do everything I do 24-7. It's complete imitations, eating everything the same, eating the same foods, eating it the same way, eating at the same time, sleeping at the same time, all that sort of thing, going everywhere, doing exactly as the rabbi does. 
Ray Vanderlaan did a beautiful study on this called The Dust of the Rabbi. And the whole idea was that the followers of the rabbi would follow so closely behind the rabbi that the dust from the rabbi's feet would then cover their own feet and legs because they were literally imitating to that degree. Now, what's interesting about that is you had to be the top of the top in order to get those invitations from those rabbis, but Jesus does it different. He opens the door wide and invites us. And we can do this because of who he is and because of what he has done. It was clearly important to the Apostle Paul, too. He writes in his first letter uh, to the church in Corinth to be, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Sort of like, okay, I realize you may not be able to see that image of Christ. You may not be able to walk with him. And I'm going to do as best I can, and, 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 and you can watch me do it. Paul recognized that there was a need there. I don't know what you think about that, but I've often thought the question, if anybody models himself or herself after me, will they look more like Christ? It's a scary thing to consider. It's a humbling thing to consider. If somebody did everything I did and said everything I said, would I look at them and go, wow, you look more like Christ? Or would I be going, ah, don't do that part. Oh, don't, don't say that. Follow me as I follow Christ. That second verse, walk in love as Christ himself loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What a picture, what a model for us to follow. Jesus has to be the ultimate model. We walk in love because Christ did and he gave himself up as an offering. Sacrifice. A whole disciple is a forgiven child of God who's taking the next step to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. We'll spend more time on those three the next three weeks. Learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. In saying this, we're not minimizing the role of the Father or the Holy Spirit. This is all combined here. But we start out with learn Jesus. And in each of these elements, we find an upward and inward and an outward expression of these. And I'll take you through them quickly. Upward, it's submitting, and we talk about learning Jesus, it submits to God's word, the Bible. It's devoting time to learn the word of God, to meditate on it, to, to understand the, the greater narrative, to, put, to lock it into memory, doing our best to understand and apply the Word of God. It's that upward. It's I'm in submission to the Word. It is the authority in my life. Learn Jesus inward. Embrace true identity in Christ. Again, what we're talking about today is this understanding of who we are. Because who we are then should dictate how we live. Do we see all of life through the lens of the gospel of Christ? Are, are we pursuing to understand how the gospel of Jesus changes my life, how it should make the things that I did before now not important because I now do what's important because of the gospel of Christ? And do I apply that to everyday situations? That's the inward And the outward of uh, learning Jesus is to grow with God's people. 
today, whether you shared of, the, uh, of this service or the one before, it's this one way we do it. We gather together and we worship our God. We get involved in community groups. What a great way to really grow those times you have to just wrestle through Scripture. Stop and ask questions and, and dig a little bit deeper and, and work alongside of each other, seeking out wisdom and insight and mem- mentorship in the faith growing with God's people. Then we have love Jesus. It's the upward part of that. It's loves Jesus passionately above all else. When push comes to shove, it's ask, answering that question of what is it in life that I love most or who is it in life that I love most and, and is there anything that comes before Jesus? It's that upward mindset of it's got to be Christ first. It's motivated at the deepest level to know Christ and the power of his resurrection longing for that intimacy with Jesus. To love the Lord. Seeking that deeper realization of the nearness of Christ. Upward. Love Jesus inward. Repents with a humble heart. As we look closer and closer at the Word of God. What does it do? It it brings to light that in our life which is not right. And as we realize our identity, what it is in Christ, we remember what it was apart from Him. And we, we recognize that. And it brings us to a point of humble repentance. We'll share in the Lord's Supper in a few minutes and what we're doing in that. We've, we've examined our hearts and we recognize that apart from the action of Christ, I'm unworthy. And we humbly repent in an awareness of our own sinfulness. We open ourselves up to correction and criticism. We push pride aside in place of humility. Then there's the outward, loves God's people. Expanding and deepening affection for God's people. Longing for deeper communion. I enjoy meeting people. I, I can connect with people rel- relatively quickly over a variety of subjects. But there's something about other believers. There's a connection that it just goes to a new level really quick. And I hope you know what that's like. It's like uh, these other things we may agree on or disagree on or whatever, but the reality is we both passionately love Jesus and, and there's, there's a, a desire to relate and to bond together, to share one another's burdens. I was in a meeting last week in Des Moines and the man I just met started sharing his story and he talked about one of his, his kids who's not walking with Jesus. And for, so it just struck me, and it usually does, and I'm passionate about praying about those things. It just struck me, and I interrupted the meeting, and I just said, can we just stop and pray? And I didn't expect it. I wasn't able to pray. I just was overwhelmed with emotion. It took me a while to re, I regain myself. But there was this connection because I understood his heart, and I understood his heart for his children. We're growing together. We're loving one another because we love God. Then live Jesus upward, pursues the Spirit's leading prayerfully. It's a wonderful habit to wake up every morning and say, Lord Jesus, would your Spirit lead me today? 
Do not let me get ahead of your spirit today. Guide me, show me the way. Point me to those who might need to hear truth, might need to be encouraged. It's understanding that I don't have within me the wisdom to face all that life brings, but I do know that the Spirit of God knows every answer. Understanding prayer is a priority. Live Jesus inward, stewards all of life for God's glory. All that I've been blessed with, all that that makes me me beyond the fact that I'm a child of God, what do I do with that? And and who, who ultimately has the say in it? With my resources, with my time, with my talents, with my spiritual gifts, with the finances God's blessed me with, everything that I have, am I willing to lay that all on the table because I understand that I am to steward it? If I'm going to live Jesus well, then the outward invites others to take the next step toward Jesus. And that might be just for an un, uh, unbeliever, a person who doesn't know Jesus. It's helping them, inviting them to come to know Christ, sharing and answering uh, the question and listening when they, we need to listen and, and going to a scripture and saying, okay, I, I want to point you the way. But it might be other believers this too. It's inviting them to walk along with you. Really, that's what discipleship is. It's taking the next step toward Christ. Inviting others to do it as well. I love the work of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Listen to what he writes. Look at it like this. Think of it in terms of two big estates with a road going down between. On one side of the road, there is an estate. On the other side of the road, there is another. One of them is the kingdom of Satan. The other is the kingdom of God. Now, this is what has happened to Christian men and women. They were in the estate under the dominion of Satan, but they have crossed over the road and are now in the kingdom of God. But though they are in this life and world, working in that new estate, the kingdom of God, Satan, their old enemy, is still there in that other kingdom. And he thinks that Christians will be foolish enough to listen to him. He forgets that they have been once and forever taken out of his dominion. He forgets that they are free. So Christians do not come under his dominion, but they are still subject to his attacks and onslaughts and his suggestions and insinuations. They have overcome, but they are still fighting. They still have to overcome as they go on in this life, walking with God and with Christ. I'm, I'm not much of a sports fan. I, I like to play sports. I love watching my kids play sports. I have some teams that I like. But I, I don't watch a lot beyond that. I just I don't have the time or whatever. But when I do... If, I really, if I'm really invested in it, I, I, I often would rather record it and watch it only if they won. Anybody else do that? Just me? Okay. I, I find it's not worth the pain. Brothers and sisters, may I remind you today that through faith in Jesus Christ, you have already won. You've already won. The victory is locked in. 
Yes, now there are challenges and there's, there's some effort in taking the next step of faith in Christ, but you've already won. And that's why we do it. Children of God. Adopted into God's family in his estate. And there may be some challenges to resist that the temptation from the one who thinks he can lure us in and he knows some of the tricks and things that used to work. But you and I are set free in Christ and we are now to learn to live like it. You are not who you once were. You're a disciple of Christ.